book their dates with destiny. We have our MLS Cup finalists. That was LAFC's third tally against Austin, courtesy of ABC. And we have our MLS Cup uh, finalists. It will be LAFC and Philadelphia, a pair of one seeds in a league that rarely goes chalk. Welcome to Club and Country. This is the podcast of record for Nashville SC coverage from the two people who've covered the club longer than anyone in their respective disciplines. I am Wes Bowling. And I am Tim Sullivan, the proprietor of ClubCountryUSA.com. Great to have you back after uh, missing you last week. Eddie did an awesome job filling in, of course, but uh, there's only one Tim Sullivan. So glad to glad to have you back. There's so many of us, you wouldn't even believe it. Very <laughs> common name. Well, you are not very common, even if your name is. That is for sure. Thank you, Wes. <laughs> I'll let you decide if that's a compliment or an insult. Uh, it's the first time a conference champion has made MLS Cup, Tim, since 2017 Toronto. That's crazy to me. Mike Jacobs talks all the time about get to the playoffs and it's a crapshoot. Mm-hmm. He's right on that for sure. Um, and it's the first time that that both conference champs have advanced to the final to play each other since 2003. We're talking Landon Donovan brace for San Jose over Demarcus Beasley's Chicago that's how long it's been since a pair of one seeds <laughs> made it to MLS Cup. And, and for me, at least, it's a pretty satisfying conclusion of the season. Mm-hmm. There, there's nobody in this league that I just love. And there's nobody that I just despise. I want good soccer, and we're going to get good soccer in the final. Yeah, for me, it's about being proven right. And I felt like LAFC and Philly were the two best teams over the course of the year. And so they made me feel smart. Uh, that was why last year I was excited to see NYC win in the final. But uh, Portland making it all the way there did not make me feel smart. So this year I'm, I'm feeling much better about it going into the final. Confirmation bias cup. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Tim's loyalty is to himself. And I don't blame you. We did. We talked about NYCFC last year for the second half of the season saying mm-hmm. they're going to catch up to the results. They're going to catch up to the results. And they did. And uh, this year, yeah, I mean, we didn't have to say that about either of those teams because they were leading the way for, for much of uh, the year. So we'll talk a bit about MLS Cup today. We'll, we'll save most of that for our outside in segment, because of course it is hot Tim winter and it's the first uh, Tim Tim's in for hot Tim winter now. And and it's the first time we've really started to feel that consistent chill in the air. And and, and I just, I go to MLS, the MLS app at least twice a day. And I think it's roster decision time. And then I go to club country USA to to figure out (laughs) what all's going on there. So in the early shot, we'll get you ready for some key off season dates and look ahead at what's going to be a very busy November as things turn around very quickly uh, before the world cup in the mailbag, some good questions, including what Nashville can learn from Philadelphia. I think that was my favorite of, of the list of questions, but there are also some really interesting ones about the impact of the conference switch back and forth. Um, and then, of course, outside in will be our preview of MLS Cup. But first, Club and Country is sponsored by ML Rose. I have plans to go there again this week, Tim. And actually, for the first time um, this this week, I think I'm going to check out the the Capitol View location, the one downtown. I went there uh, when it first opened. Yeah, how was it? Honestly. Um, it's a very different vibe than the ones uh, in the best and most important neighborhood or the flagship one down on 8 South. But it's uh, um, same as the most of the things that you come to expect. Great people, a lot of TVs, great beer, great food. It's it's an ML Rose. And that area downtown has, and that complex especially, has much better mm-hmm. parking than you would expect, I think, for for downtown Nashville. So it's, it's accessible as well. I've been to a couple other places around there and just haven't made it to that ML Rose yet. Mm-hmm. So excited to, to go check that out. I'm starting to work downtown a couple of days a week because my two-year-old has learned to open the office door here at the <laughs> home office. 
And so now Cameron, that I have a join little, us, come in. Exactly. And I love it. Like it's, it's my favorite part when he comes in and like, hi daddy. And he tries to break in and, and wants to play. And, and he's got all their little like trinkets in the office, like up on the <laughs> whiteboard and on the fridge that he wants to grab and talk to and show to me and watch YouTube videos. And it's great uh, until it's not. So <laughs> working downtown a couple of <laughs> days a week. Uh, and then going to ML Rose for lunch and maybe uh, maybe going for a happy hour beer after a day fending him off in the home office. So one of these days, too. Uh, let's head on to our, our early shout. McGlynn, Carranza, back into the middle! It's a goal! It's something that has made Gosdak so effective this season, his ability to make a late run and smell a goal, to sniff out the space. That was Philly's come from behind second goal, courtesy of Fox. That was a thriller. Philly went down to New York mm-hmm. City, and you wondered if NYC was going to do the smash and grab thing again this year. But then Philly scored twice in quick succession that capped it off with a third goal. And it looks a, a lot more uh, academic than it was, the 3-1 win for the Union. Tim, Nashville earned four points then against MLS Cup finalists this year. Of course, they earned the draw in that Jodas Park opener against Philadelphia and come from behind fashion themselves. And they beat LAFC on decision day. And so if LAFC wins, it would be the second straight year that Nashville has beaten the eventual cup holders. Yeah, I mean, we've seen over time, including back to the USL days, that one of the frustrations for NSC fans has been that ability to hang with the best as you go and drop some points against teams that probably should be kind of layups. So the Houston Dynamo game, obviously, on the on the penultimate match date this year, would have pushed NSC into fourth with as little as a draw or third with a win in that match. Um, you know, I guess... If you control for a points total, I, you would rather see the ability to knock off the big boys and, and occasionally have the, the oopsie against a bad team because it means that once you do get into the playoffs, you can do better. But going forward, you'd like to see Nashville maintain that ability to knock off these great teams or in the case of Philly, draw them. And, and then you can say, okay, now we need, just need to get the easy ones under our belt too. And, and the upside is higher. The ceiling is higher. If you're a team that can beat the top squads, even if you occasionally lose to the bad ones, you just don't want to do that second part. <laughs> yeah, ride the parody of MLS and ride it mostly to your favor. And uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I completely agree. Much better to be there than to be beating up on Houston and consistently losing 4 nothing to the likes of, of LAFC in Philadelphia. Uh, we will get into our MLS Cup predictions in a little bit here in Outside In, but you guys know who we are by now. You know our brand. You know that it is HTW, HTW. <laughs> Can we shorten it this year? People are going to ride with that, or do we need to spell it out again that it's Hot Tim Winter? Uh, don't make me post the image again, Wes. That is the one goal of Hot Tim Winter is to stay away from <laughs> that abomination again. It was actually pretty wonderful. Who am I kidding? Uh, I, I love some cheesy stuff. My mug this morning, as we're recording in the morning, says, ask me about my dad jokes. So I, I love I love hoagie stuff like that. It says, uh, National Aquarium. That's pretty fishy, if you ask me. Moving on. Octopus. Ah, yes. Well, our tentacles reach across this entire league. And we know who is going to be available, at least who's been announced to be available across Major League Soccer. We know what's going to be happening in the next month. And in our gold nuggets today, we're going to look at offseason. We're going to look at key dates to watch this month. And we'll get into... You know, the Super Draft in December in a future episode. Of course, we'll talk a lot of World Cup in the coming weeks, but it's going to be a very busy November when it comes to several MLS rocker me- rock- rocker mechanisms. We're not talking about the controversial, uh, terrible, racist Atlanta Braves closer of the <laughs> 1990s, John Rocker, who actually went to my mom's high school randomly many years later. Roster mechanisms, that's better. Still getting the morning coffee in. Lots going on this month. Um, so 
What's coming up? Well, we'll start with what is imminent, which is that Nashville is going to very soon publicly announce its roster decisions for current players. It will announce whose options were declined, who's going to remain with the club, who will be out of contract. These are not final decisions. Any player who is out of contract, they may renegotiate mm-hmm. with. Uh, they, they have a window to be able to do that. But Tim, do you expect any surprises or any big moves here? What are you hearing? Yeah, I mean, these are typically due to the league within 48 hours of elimination from the playoffs, or if you're a team that doesn't make the playoffs, 48 hours of the end of the regular season. But the league does not announce them. The clubs announce them, and and they are required to announce them before the opening of of the uh, of the next one that we're about to talk about here. But Nashville has been willing to kind of get a news cycle out of it as as much as they can. Um, I would expect this week at some point, um, not on Thursday, because there's going to be a state of the league address by Don Garber. But um, any other day this week, it could probably happen. But in terms of the decisions themselves, I don't really think anybody's going to be surprised. The, The guys who are eligible for free agency, if they're not under contract, will probably play out basically the exact way you'd expect. Teal Bunbury, um, Dax McCarty, Alex Muel, CJ Sapong, and Joe Willis, options picked up. Um, Brian Meredith, probably option declined. We've seen that Elliot Panico is, is a, a good enough to be a number two keeper, to say the very least. And, and the third stringer can typically be a younger guy. Um, and Eric Miller does not have an option. He's, he's eligible to join free agency. And I think Nashville SC is although they did it a couple of years ago, so you never know. I don't think they're going to spend too much time using their exclusive negotiating window with him. As we've seen, he was picked up for, for, you know, reasons that what they got out of him budgetarily was a very, a very good deal going forward. I don't know necessarily that they can get that same thing. So I think probably he's a guy who's going to test the free agency market. One of those opportunities to turn the roster from a good serviceable player to one who either is a prospect for you for the future or can contribute perhaps a little bit, uh, a little bit more or more incisively at that right back uh, position. Uh, I was hoping Tim, that as we were talking, we'd get that email of that press release announcement so we can announce in real time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You, you would not want that because you want to get that up on your website as quickly yeah. as possible. I would have actually paused recording to do that. Um, but uh, nothing yet. By the time you're listening to this, we may have seen those. And of course you can, you can follow club country USA on, Twitter uh, or on the website for uh, for context about any of those decisions. Um, you mentioned that the, the deadline to get that publicly announced is before the trade window opening, and that is November 7th. That is uh, this coming Monday. And of course, Walker Zimmerman was, was is the headline trade that Nashville has made in its history. Made a few other key ones that you have to make as an expansion team. But since then, Nashville's typically used the trade window to acquire that supporting talent. Last year, Teal Bunbury, the most noteworthy deal do you think we can see any Walker Zimmerman type of moves coming down the pipeline this year? Or do you think that the club goes with its typical MO and, and uses the trade market to supplement rather than transforming? I don't think you'll see much earth shattering, although there was very little indication before the Walker Zimmerman trade was announced. I think that on Valentine's day or the day before Valentine's day in the inaugural year, um, you know, you didn't hear a ton of rumblings about it, even though it was something that had been in the works for a while. So do not take as gospel that, that nothing is happening here. But um, you've seen in the time since Nashville is more about augmenting. Um, they're about adding supporting talent through the tra- trade market and may make minor upgrades over over guys that are currently on the roster. That's really more what they do in the, in the intra-league trade market. There's value there. They are going to do something because there's always going to be value in inside the league. But typically, there's not going to be value in terms of picking up huge name players. The one thing that I can think of is I would really like to see Eric Williamson, who's 
kind of on the outs with Portland Timbers, but is, is not eligible for free agency yet. He hasn't been in the league long enough. He's a guy who I think would be a very good fit for Nashville, but mm. uh, you know, they, they did add Sean Davis at a similar position last year. Obviously Williamson has a little bit more attacking punch to him and, and where do you play him with Hani Mukhtar and a striker up there? So it might not be the, the, the precise fit that Sean Davis was last year because of the addition of Sean Davis in part. But um, I do think if, if they could, I, I, don't believe they'll be able to if they could if they could find somebody who is willing to give Ake Loba a bit more time and, and take some of his uh, monetary uh, sunk cost I guess I'll call it <laughs> off the books they would gladly do that um, I, I think again that he's he's not a guy who is incapable of succeeding in, in MLS but with the amount that Nashville is, is paying him they they would like to do more effective stuff with that money so if they could if they could get the salary off the books that would probably be worth getting Loba off the books too. Yeah. Loba opportunity cost definitely. And, and Williamson an opportunity, I think for sure. I think he's the exact template of a player that Nashville could stand to add as they look at, at getting somebody in who is maybe what Dax McCarty was at his peak. And McCarty's going to stick around. He's going to be with this team. I would certainly imagine, but to have a, a young version of that who could come in and contribute, I, I think would be tremendous. And Williamson, a guy who's gotten us men's national team attention uh, that's as far as I'll go is attention there. Uh, okay. Certainly a guy who, who you know, he got snubbed uh, for Olympic qualifiers a little bit ago. But um, yeah, be very interested to see him in gold. I think that could work really well. Uh, the expansion draft is November 11th. St. Louis FC, of course, coming into the league next year. Now, the boys in gold were exempt last year because Brady Scott was taken by Austin, Nashville's third keeper at the time. This year, they will be eligible to have a player taken. St. Louis has five picks among the... 20 what 23 teams i guess who were who are going to be um eligible so you know again if you've had one pick the year before you don't have to have one picked this time uh you won't have one pick this time um so november 11th expansion draft free agency opens on november 16th and tim this of course is another big opportunity for nashville to bring in the type of veteran personnel that they love and last year it was sean davis the move that we suggested of course to mike jacobs on the show and he obliged um, you've now suggested Eric Williamson uh, be a trade. Does anybody catch your eye in free agency that you think Nashville might spring for? Yeah, there's going to be a similar uh, but here, which is teams are going to be willing to pay for this guy. But Derek Etienne Jr., um, his option was declined by the crew. He is going to be a guy who is who is on the market. Um, he's the prize around the league. Mm-hmm. I do think he's going to get overpaid a bit, and Nashville is, is not keen on overpaying guys. Um, he had a breakout year for, for the crew this year. It's probably his first truly productive attacking year, but he also did it by overperforming his underlying numbers, and that's probably a risk that, I don't know, like a, an FC Cincinnati is willing to take. I don't <laughs> think Mike Jacobs is going to say, okay, we're going to pay this guy the max amount that we can pay a free agent because of one year of production and and maybe a little bit of an overpay, but he, he would be a guy that I really like. He came up in the, in the Red Bull system. He's a guy who um, would fit very well. Obviously Alex Mwil on the other side, he's a bit more attacking than, than an Alex Mwil who's, who's the more defensive minded winger, I guess you could say, but he is a guy that Everett is going to be going after. And I, I, Nashville, believe it or not, has not tended to get into bidding wars. I don't think they will with them either. <laughs> it's, a, it's about unearthing that value and letting other teams overpay. Mm-hmm. If they did decide that this is a guy they wanted to go all in on, does the GAM situation allow them to have pretty good resources to be able to buy down a, a salary like that? Yeah, well, I mean, we'll see what their uh, what their moves in the earlier mechanisms entail in terms of expenditure. Uh, expenditure, is that right? Yeah, expenditure of, of their allocation money, but... 
Um, they should have plenty. They have, I, I believe, even just holdover from what they have built up over the years. Their little war chest that Mike Jacobs likes to talk about is is still over a million or somewhere near a couple million. You should have warned me you were going to ask this. I could have pulled up my my complete estimated number, but Sorry. It's, it's north of a million at this stage. So if if that were to be the case, they they would be able to do it. And then re-entry stage comes November 17th, November 22nd are the two stages respectively of re-entry. Um, this is players who are out of contract with their clubs um, and who have a chance then to stay in the league, but are not in that traditional free agent mechanism. I guess maybe I'm describing that. Okay. It's a little, more yeah, yeah. it's, it's guys who are not eligible for free agency, but, but their clubs have, have uh, declined their right of first refusal over negotiating with them. Said better than me, as always. Josh Bauer came to Nashville in stage one last year from Atlanta. Eric Miller in stage one in Nashville's debut year. Should we expect much here this year? This is not one where you're ever going to transform your team. But but any right. players that are already, any chances you think Nashville might take here? Yeah, I mean, this is a place that you can get value. I mentioned him earlier. Um, as much as Nashville SC fans have, you know, I think we've defended him. I We're going to say unfairly denigrated Eric Miller a little bit. The cost to acquire him and the amount to pay him because of the mechanism through which he joined the team was well worth the dollar value for how many minutes he's given Nashville SC and, and for how well he has played at times. Uh, I've uh, I've been otherwise occupied and have not put together my insane spreadsheet for it yet, but there are almost certainly going to be some worthwhile grabs in reentry. M- Miller was a total surprise. Bauer was a guy who didn't even play for Atlanta. He had been in USL the previous year so. For the most part, these guys are going to be surprises. They're not going to be the obvious ones that even the numbers point to. They're going to be guys that have been scouted, uh, you know, human intel on these guys more than what the uh, spreadsheet said. Sounds fun. And this is a really fun part of the season as you start to see Nashville evolve so much. Uh, from year three to year four. And, I, you know, Tim, I, you, you say that and you got a big smile on your face. I love it, too. This honestly, I enjoy this part of the MLS schedule more than I enjoy the playoffs once Nashville's eliminated. And I love the playoffs. I love watching the drama of that. But I, I really enjoy watching all of these teams tinker and, and jockey for players and position and, and identity. It's a lot of fun. Um, before we get to the mailbag, let's let's chat again about ML Rose. I don't even have a segue this morning. Coffee's not fueling uh, me very well. But, uh, but Tim... I am really excited to go back and try the carnitas quesadilla that's been on my list for a while. I typically go with a burger, of course, but, but after I had the Thai chicken salad a few weeks ago, I'm inspired to branch out. And I think when I go to the Capitol view location, I'm going to, I'm going to go a little bit of, of, of Mexican here with the carnitas quesadilla. It just feels like, I don't, I don't know about your opinion here. Like if I do that for lunch, I don't know. I might just get something else because I feel like the carnitas quesadilla needs to be happy hour with a Mexican style beer or a light lager. What do you think? Can, can I get away with a soft drink at lunch in a carnitas quesadilla, or should I save it for the happy hour? You know, the one great thing about ML Rose West is that you don't necessarily have to make this decision because you're going to go back. You can get it one time with the soft drink. You can get it another time with the beer. You could even, you, if you wait until next February, you can even get your either happy or sad drink after a Nashville SC game mm-hmm. at Geodis Park Well, and, and, and repeat the carnitas over and over again and, and try. In fact, what you should do is try it with every single beverage option on the menu. And every every single beer as well. Not, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a great idea. Well, maybe I'll go Saturday during the UT Georgia game, and then I could have my either happy or sad drink. I think it may be a sad <laughs> drink. We'll see. But uh, I will definitely want many, many of those beers if I do that. I'll Uber over to a Melrose. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'll have a well, great hey, time. And, and you know... Uh, 
you know, my take, you're, you're often the food guy. I'm often the beer guy. Um, I'm certain you'll be able to find not just, not just many good beers at ML Rose. If you go this weekend, you'll be able to find many beers that will represent the state of Tennessee, because one thing that they've always done that, that we really appreciate, and you can appreciate it even more for UT purposes is, is there, they have a focus on a local menu and on their beer, uh, beer selections and including their draft menu. So that's something that uh, I'm a, I'm always drinking local, so, so I'm, I'm always glad to go Same. to Emerald Rose and have many options for that. Well, my beer of choice, without giving them a free shout, uh, would resemble my big orange in its in its color. <laughs> so uh, that would work quite well. I, in fact, I might not even diversify, even though I could. I might just go all in on on that beer and just have several of them <laughs> while I watch. Um, so yeah, Tennessee, Georgia, Saturday, two thirty. I'm not going to Athens, sticking around town, and I might just be at ML Rose for that one. Maybe that's when I have the Carnitas Quesadilla with with multiple of my of my beers. Now let's head to the mailbag now. Um, good question from Glenn Judah that ties MLS Cup to Nashville SC. He asks, what can Nashville learn from Philadelphia's sustained success? This is tough because the way Philadelphia has done it, and, and actually I'm, I'm going to revise my answer because of this, the way Philadelphia has done it is succeed in ways that are specific to Philadelphia. And that's that's a lesson that Nashville can take because Philly's most notable attribute has been its academy, and there just isn't going to be possibly ever the level of talent in Tennessee that there is in Southeast Pennsylvania and South Jersey. One thing that the union can point to that the NSC can more specifically kind of copy is, is building a clear tactical identity over long-term periods and recruiting to that identity. They spend smart on their DPs. They target leagues that aren't heavily scouted. Um, we've, we've seen guys come over from, from kind of obscure European leagues if, you, if you're scouting Brazil, if you're scouting Argentina, the dollar value is going to be driven up because there's going to be a bidding war and you're going to be, you're going to be bidding against not just like Austin FC, you're going to be bidding against um, you know, mid-table Premier League teams for some of these guys. But I, w- I want to go back to the beginning because what Philly has done is so tailored to Philly. What Nashville needs to do is be very tailored to Nashville and kind of figure out what its identity is and how they can kind of be Nashville's team. And obviously, that's something that that Ian Eyre has, has repeated almost ad nauseum to this point is is the club needs to represent Nashville and it needs to kind of have a, a Nashville ethos. And that's something that I think they've built to this stage, um, maybe a little bit more flash in, in future years uh, as uh, Hani Mukhtar is, is the primary and, and sometimes only guy providing that. But it is something that, you know, representing your area and, and finding a way to succeed with what you have resource wise from your areas is very important. Yeah, and that's why it bores me when people talk about the latest shiny object coming to Nashville. And usually it's kind of in a joking way, but like, you know, the Messi to Nashville or the Gareth Bale to like, no, you you bring the players in who fit who you are and you can you can be much more economically efficient to do that. Um, and Or you can be LA Galaxy. I know they just knocked Nashville out of the playoffs, but just spend on the biggest possible names and, and not worry about that so much. And, and they're trying to finally figure that out. You, you hit the notes I jotted down to patient construction of a clear identity, investing in that academy, even if it's not going to produce the the quantity of, of fruit, perhaps that Philadelphia, you can get some quality there and you can help further entrench your identity by doing that. And then devoting yourself. Yeah. Like you said, to players who fit what you do, don't just pour resources into the best available talent, um, get the yeah. best available talent that fits what you do. Yeah. And one thing on the academy is, is, the the league keeps the the rules obscure for for god knows what reason but uh it seems like nashville will be able to recruit a little bit more nationally for its academy going forward and that can mm-hmm. really help because i do think that that's something that um with the, the scouting staff that that mike jacobs has at his disposal is something that they'll do better than a lot of teams do and, and add players from a young age who can then develop and don't all have to be from middle tennessee even though middle tennessee is 
going to produce some players here and there. Yeah, it's it's a it's a good region. It's just obviously not as deep with talent and or deep population for that matter, which is part of the problem. Uh, and, and as a residential academy, Nashville's going to be able to attract those players and and offer a great experience for them to to move in and and really join in. So so that segs nicely into our next question from Glenn. He asks, "How's the academy going?" Yeah, there are there are a few standout players. Um, Alejandro Carrillo participated in the MLS Next Showcase at All Star, for example. But for the time being, <clears throat> Nashville really just is not going to be producing that many pros. At least, at least not guys who are going academy directly pro. They're going to send guys to college who then they have right of first refusal to, to negotiate with, rather than uh, rather than going through the super draft down the line. They are going to send guys to college to start out. The bright side is that the results have been much better so far this season. And, and even late last season, it's a, it's a winter season. So it's 22, 23 season. The talent is on the up. And of course, um, adding an MLS next pro team in Huntsville, um, the, the branding for which will be revealed next week. Um, that's the sort of thing that can really help bridge a, a gap to, to have a, a cohesive pipeline from, you know, preps to pros basically. And it's something that if you, if you have guys who are able to contribute to the Huntsville team, maybe you can, find even more unearthed gems that you are pushing there from the Academy. And you can really kind of get that pipeline really rolling. If you are listening to the show, uh, as you listen right now, pause the podcast, hop on Twitter. If you're not currently driving and I want you to first rate review, subscribe second tweet at us. That's at West bowling TN at club country USA. What do you want the name of the Huntsville team to be? I want you to tweet that out. I want you to, to give us your thoughts and, and uh, maybe we'll, we'll share some of our, our favorite uh, answers there um, all right back to the questions now will reiners who are the mls players you're most excited to watch at the world cup and yes this will become a world cup slash college football podcast uh, here <laughs> as we get into november yeah walker zimmerman right um, that's the no, answer yeah yeah other than the obvious uh, i'm excited to watch the canadian guys uh you don't really think about it as much because of of the nature of canada being a team that the americans compete against that's a team that's built from from MLS. Basically, they have uh, JVs, they have David, but they're largely doing it with an MLS core. You're seeing a ton of MLS guys contribute to the Canadian men's national team, and of course, it's it's nice to see them not only perform well uh, for for representing the league, but in terms of representing Concacaf at the World Cup, it'll be really cool to see if Canada can really follow through on some of this hype that they built up over the course of this cycle. Belgium, Croatia, Morocco—the teams in their group—and. Um, they have some some nice watchable times for their games. 1 p.m. Central, then 10 a.m. and then 9 a.m. I, I say this because I married a Canadian. My son is half <laughs> Canadian. He um, technically it is possible for him to one day play for the Canadian national team or the American national team. So we'll be watching the U.S. and Canada. And unless the U.S. plays Canada in a knockout match, I'll be I'll be all in on the Maple Leafs too. Um, U.S. 1A, but Canada 1B. Can't wait for that. Um, I, I like following some key storylines. You know, the obvious non-NSC one is: Has Gareth Bale done enough with LAFC to be in top form for Wales? We're gonna hope not. Uh, he's just washed, man. Dude's just washed. He's washed. He's, he's going to be okay for Wales, but I hope he scores a hat trick against England, um, and you know, a nice unproductive seven. If I could name, if I could name those. one other Welsh player, I'd say he could do it too. <laughs> Aaron Ramsey, the only one. I know. Aaron oh, Ramsey, okay. not an MLS, of course, but you know. Um, also, can can Carl Swiderski win a spot next to Lewandowski for Poland? That's a random one, but it's fun to me when. Random guys you don't hear a whole lot about in Major League Soccer are playing 
at the top levels. I mean, you think of like Daniel Shallowy and Daniel Gazdag for Hungary, who didn't make the World Cup, but playing in Euros against England, beating France and, you know, recently. Like it, that, that kind of stuff is fun for me as well. Uh, and then can Ache Ache oversee as poor a performance for Mexico as he did in Houston? <laughs> that, of course, is the question every U.S. Oh, fan wants to ask. That actually, uh, uh, mention of Mexico makes me think of a future MLS player or maybe USL player, Diego Linez. I'm very excited to watch him play. Too. There you go. Uh, Newton Domini with a, a conference question. What impact has conference hopscotch had on NSC? Was the roster built for the East with the season being a cross our fingers and hope for the best type scenario? Good question, Newton. And, uh, and we'll, um, I think we may see an announcement about the Eastern Conference here down the road. It would make sense with, with St. Louis coming in that Nashville will move back, but nothing officially reported there. Um, yet I don't think the roster was necessarily built with a conference in mind. I think it was built more for what this technical staff likes to do. Uh, I think Nashville would rather have its own identity than to look at the identities, which are ever shifting of 13 other teams and figure out based on that, where to benchmark. So, I mean, what does that mean? Of course, we know what that means for Nashville ball winning center backs, you know, win those aerials, steely defensive mids, hold up strikers next to speedy forwards. What impact then has the conference change had? I think it's more about the specifics of what it asked Nashville to do, right? The road travel, I will argue, even though they performed well on those eight to start the year, it sapped the club of energy they needed down the stretch. Of course, it made it tougher to come home and, and you know, figure things out quickly with, with such density of games. It's been tougher to, to sustain rivalries, of course, although I don't worry about Atlanta and Cincinnati and maybe New York and City and Orlando being nice and salty once they get back to the East. But I don't think the changes had as much impact on the team's table position, Tim, as say the slow adjustment period to the home pitch did, and some of those other things the team, you know, did to themselves. And Miami really in the mud here that you left them out of that list. But but no, I'm right. I'm right with you. I don't think there was a conference specific build. Um, the differences in style of play and, and often even quality between the two conferences are, are basically overstated. I think the conferences were basically equal last year, or this year, excuse me. Last year the East was a little bit stronger to me. But um, the, the issue that you mentioned is, is the biggest one. This team wasn't really built for the rigors of travel. They had limited depth. They had one of the smallest rosters in MLS, um, used some of the fewest players in MLS. Um, that, that limited depth and then some of the guys that they, that they did rely on, you know, Dax McCarty, Anibal Godoy, um, they're younger than us, so we're not going to roast them too much. But those are not guys that are going to fly cross country and, and be totally fit to play. You know, they're not, they're not going to Vancouver and coming back on a Wednesday to play at Geodas Park and being 100% in the way that somebody who's 23 years old would be. That is where the conference hopping uh, was was a, quite a bit more difficult for Nashville. But again, it's something that I don't necessarily think the nature of being in one conference or the other, aside from Nashville being uh, really far east to be in the Western Conference, uh, is something that's that's you know specific to that. Fellow dad joke aficionado John Cade asks, will we put Hani back in position and pick up a true striker? I mean, I think he's in position, right? He's he's playing as a goal-scoring 10 that can implement a little bit as a second striker. But the, and, and he'll tell you that his his style of play changed. I think any you know discussion of his of his uh positioning on the field changing is, is a little bit overstated. We're 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 a Jimmy's and Joe's sort of guys, uh, not an X's and O's sort of podcast for the most part. Um, the, the differences are are basically semantic there. As for whether a true line leading striker will join him, that that would be ideal, yes. <laughs> um I think maybe a goal, a single goal from CJ Sapong after May would have the narrative among the fan base very different. Because CJ is that sort of player. That's the style of guy that he is. The problem is that he didn't play particularly well this year in, in some of the ways that uh, 
benefit the attack other than allowing Hani to be as successful as he was. So if people want a talent upgrade rather than like a different positional profile, yes, I totally understand that. Uh, I don't necessarily think it's it's necessary if you get a bounce back from CJ, but that's obviously not guaranteed either. I agree with all that. I think you don't change a thing with Mukhtar's position. You just try to maybe find a hold-up striker who's going to do the job as effectively as possible to let him have that that free role. Trevor Bryant with the last question of the day. A rumor resurfaced this week about MLS in San Diego. With more expansion rumors, what's your preferred number of teams in the league and league format? And he gives some examples. Three conferences, four divisions, intra-league pro, rel, etc. I, I don't want to see it go much above 30 or 32. Just as someone who you know covers the league and watches the league, I want it to be a league I can still kind of get my arms around um and in not have so many teams that you just kind of lose a few in the shuffle i understand the revenue model and understand that expansion is is the best driver of that as some call it a ponzi scheme as a result but those expansion fees are key uh league format i think once you get to 30 you, you should you should start looking at breaking it up a little mm-hmm. bit more and i i do like three conferences or 32 makes it easy four divisions of eight where you can really triple down if you will on some rivalries while still reaching across the league what do you think yeah, I, th- I think I, I'm going to differ with you on, on one thing. We're okay. embracing debate here today, Wes. Let's do it. The country's too big. As, as many qualified ownership groups as are willing to join, you should allow in. Um, you know, to, to not have a team um, in, in the Central Valley in California because you ran out of space. If somebody has the, the financial and, and political and uh, structural infrastructure to have a team there, you shouldn't be turning people away just because you're out of spots. I think, um, you know, the fact that it looks like we are going to ha- get to quote unquote, a maximum number of teams without Phoenix being, a, being an option is insane to me. Hmm. Don't stop in- until there, you run out of markets that could use a team. Um, in terms of structure, I'm, I'm on with you. We need to break it up a little bit more probably to see, uh, you know, a home, a home and away with, a certain subset of teams and then play each other team once, however many divisions you need to divide it into to make that happen uh, realistically is, is totally fine with me. And then how that shakes out for the playoffs, obviously it depends on how many teams and how many divisions you do end up with, but I would like to see a group stage in the playoffs. I know that means that the teams that don't make the playoffs have such a long off season, but uh, frankly, I do not care. I think it would be awesome. (laughs) I I love that. No, I, the, the recent reports of the possibility Mm -hmm. of a world cup style tournament in the off season. I'm in, it it takes away a little bit, the crapshoot nature of it all. And Mm -hmm. um, it, 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 I think it'd be a blast. I think it'd be absolutely great. Um, Stooks be asking, in your opinion, what's the over under on Messi to enter Miami rumors this offseason? Yes, yeah, the 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 uh mean girls gif of uh of the limit does not exist. That's my answer. <laughs> well, outside in the MLS Cup final, of course, LAFC in Philadelphia. A, a brief recap of how they got there again, LAFC winning its bonus game against Austin FC by resounding three nil score. And Tim, I think we saw. Um, that Austin was a good team this year, of course, mm-hmm. but the gap in quality was still there. Austin, maybe not quite as strong as, uh, as some would, would, uh, would assess an LAFC every bit as good as we thought they were. Yeah. I mean, Austin is, is going to throw their little petty fit about not being picked high, but like the way they played over the course of the season was probably more like a sixth place team in the yeah. West. And, um, it, that does not diminish the fact that they made it to the Western conference final, but it also is, 
doesn't mean people are, are we're so crazy to call them 10th in the West in preseason predictions, especially because preseason predictions are inherently a crapshoot as well. So LAFC's quality just is, is what it is. And it took them so long to take advantage of that quality. It's weird because Steve Trundolo came in and is, is playing a less ambitious um, style of play mm-hmm. basically than they ever did under Bob Bradley. But sometimes when you have the best talent, that's all you need to do. Go out there and let the talent win. Philly went down early in the second half and scored three goals in 11 minutes. Carranza, Gazdag, and Burke, they played that heavy metal soccer that worked so well for them, especially at home to counter Maxi Morales' opener for NYCFC. And we have, I think pretty clearly, the two best teams in the league facing Mm -hmm. off in MLS Cup for the first time in a long time. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I I would like to note that I I do watch every single MLS game uh, all year, but this was the first time I'd like spent a lot of my focus on NYCFC because it was the only game on at the time. Maxi Morales standing next to a normal sized human being. (laughs) You just forget what it looks like. It is very funny. And obviously the dude is an awesome player. You can be five, two and be a really, really good MLS player. But it it looked like if if he was standing far away from people, it looked like there was some sort of distortion on your screen because he was so much smaller than the rest of them. But um, unfortunately uh, his team didn't do a whole lot to support his goal. and, And thus we have the, the number one seed in each conference. It's going to be a lot of fun. I think when when we look now at how the matchup shapes up, you've got again the, the you know hard hitting physical Philadelphia team that just gets after you in midfield, doesn't allow you any quarter against an LAFC team that is creative, that is compelling, but also loves a good counterattack. Who takes the front foot in this one? How do you think this one transpires? I mean. Philly is a team that likes to let the opponent play with the ball and LAFC wants to play with the ball. So it's just a matter of if Phillies can get that moment from the press that really changes what each team is able to do or, or from Philly's perspective, what they have to do in order to find openings to get a goal. The thing is LAFC is, is by far the best in this league at, at playing with the ball. So you can't, you know, kind of just rely on the opponent to make the dumb mistake like Philly did against DC, for example, to, to score a touchdown a couple of times. So <laughs> it, it'll be interesting to see, but I do think LAFC has the quality that is going to make Philly's style of play maybe a little bit less productive. 3-1 LAFC is my pick. What you got? I got, I got 2-1. I guess it's going to be close. I think it'll be close. I think the third is a is a style goal late with Philadelphia putting everybody forward. And, yeah, exactly. MLS Cup, 3 p.m. Central Time on Saturday. That's why I'll go to ML Rose so I can have UT Georgia on. They'll be 30 minutes in at that point, and then MLS Cup next to it uh, because ML well, Rose. The UT Georgia game might be over by then. <laughs> I really resent that. I also probably agree with that. Uh, <laughs> we'll see. I, I've learned. I, I just pick against UT, at least when it comes to covering the spread every every week. I think nine, nine and a half. That probably has not been very productive for you this year. <laughs> oh, thank goodness I don't put any money on it. This yeah. is for a, a guy's group pick them, and I'm in next to last place picking against Tennessee. So I guess I've learned my lesson. It's called emotional hedging, by mm-hmm. the way. That's what I call that. Um, so into the final whistle now. Um, other than watching Tennessee, Georgia on Saturday, of course, other than following the inevitable playoff meeting between Michigan and the Volunteers <laughs> in that 1-4 game, you decide who's one, you decide who's four. What content are you are you keeping an eye on uh, these days, Tim? Yeah, for me, it's it's obviously a lot of off-season stuff for MLS. It's so it's it's what I it's like honestly what I live for <laughs> in, in uh <laughs> Uh, the games, the games are awesome. I love the games, but once the off season hits, it's not over. Um, so I want to encourage everyone to check out both Matt Doyle's uh, kind of season in review for for each MLS team, then also Tom Bogert's uh, similar thing, which is is kind of more roster focused and kind of looking at 
what each team kind of has and doesn't have and, and needs in the off season. Um, those two pieces together build the picture for what has been and what will be for each MLS club. And they're an essential part of, of knowing more than just one team around the league. It's fun. It really is fun. And yeah, I, I very much like looking backward at, at the seasons and then looking forward at what's ahead. I think as teams, MLS roster decisions come out, Tom Bogert has also been good at breaking down what that's going to mean for each team. Uh, so on the MLS website there, um, as soon as we get the press release about Nashville's roster decisions, of course, we'll be sharing that and discussing that on Twitter. Although um, as per discussed earlier today, we don't really expect anything significantly surprising there. Uh, for me, I, I'm, I'm starting to get into World Cup mode and I'm starting by putting my toe in the water and then I'm going to you know, get into the deep end here pretty quick. Uh, there's some good capsules on the athletic that has just a, have just a brief breakdown of not only how these teams got here and what kind of style they like to play in World Cup history, but even you know, MLS players that are involved with these, with these various nations. And it's a fun way to get a quick overview of each group and how these groups should stack up FIFA rankings for what they're worth are, are associated as well. And uh, it's, it's a fun way to quickly get up to speed on each of the groups. And so then you can start to make your picks and do some thinking about, about that. So uh, we'll, um, we'll effort perhaps a world cup challenge as well, free for pride and for recognition on the show uh, so that we can continue our trash talk and Tim can uh, do something else that he then forgets to check. Um, but that you don't there's no active management required you make your picks and you're done that's true and then we remind you how right or wrong you were and uh yeah we'll uh well Well, if you did that a little bit more with our fantasy mls i might have picked my team a little bit more that was the double-edged sword i wanted to make sure i had not only had but used the bragging rights i was acquiring but every time i did it gave you a chance to make your team better and otherwise you weren't (laughs) gonna do it it was the ultimate catch 22 <laughs> uh, but then my team started to stink too, and so then we could just not talk about it, and it was fine. Uh, all right, as we as we sign off today, we want to remind you again to drop by ML Rose. It may be off season, but that Eighth Avenue location is still so wonderful, such a great spot, centrally located for many of you. Uh, if that's not centrally located for you, there is one, of course, on Charlotte and West Nashville, the Capitol View one downtown. I referenced earlier Mount Juliet as well. Just a great place, um, something for everyone and and one in almost every location now. Uh, thanks to, to Moon Taxi for their music uh, as well and 440 Sports Network for giving us that platform. And we'll close again by encouraging you to give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. Give us a quick review. This is the time of year we think when you know we particularly thrive and, and I think that differentiates our show. We, we always want to bring you excellent content and guests and insight, but especially with, with Tim's grasp of the... Um, asinine sometimes roster rules in this league <laughs> and ability to explain we'll call them byzantine yeah byzantine's even better there you go i was looking for that and I, my draconian was coming to mind i don't know that they're necessarily <laughs> always draconian maybe the salary cap could be considered some that are considered that by some gms um but i think this is a good time too to tell your friends who maybe are like look i've got season tickets for the first year for my first year at joe Spark next year I want to know what's going on with this team. Where do I start? This is a place to start because we're going to get into it deep, but we're always going to explain it in a way that hopefully is accessible. Uh, So rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends about us though, as well, and follow us on Twitter. And again, give us your ideal rebrand or your ideal branding for the MLS next pro team in Huntsville. that's going to be associated with Nashville SC. I think that's a, that's a fun way to go. Um, The Huntsville havoc is taken by their Southern professional hockey league team. Uh, the stars will also not be the name. That's Unfortunately, the so is the Rocket City Trash Pandas. And, yes, the, nerd, the new, new and current name of that of that team. So, any Trash Pandas enthusiasts, I'm sorry, probably not going to happen. Maybe it's the 
the trash coyotes. Maybe it's the yeah the the, the Rocket City garbage coyotes will be will be the soccer team to associate there a little bit. Maybe I doubt it, but maybe. <laughs> I, I'm not putting money on that one for sure, guys. Thanks. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you next week.